Welcome to season two of Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a confidence life coach, comedian, and mother of two. And you can join me bi-weekly for confidence tips and interesting chats with my guests, who are either working in a field that helps develop confidence, or were able to finally break free from a certain fear that was holding them back from living their life with confidence and purpose. My first guest for season two of this podcast is Laura Marshall, and her job as an aesthetics director means that she helps people feel more confident with medical tattooing and injectables. Does looking the way you want on the outside help you feel better on the inside? And when is it just too much? And it has always interested me how we can be so confident in some areas, but less so in others. So in the first part of our chat together, I ask Laura about her own personal life as a mum and triathlete. Right, let's get going. So Laura, I'm so pleased you're here with me today on Breaking Free. Could you start off by describing yourself because you do so many different things and have so many different interests, which I think is great and what I love about you. But how would you describe yourself? Oh, thank you so much for having me. Gosh, where to begin? Um, Okay, well, I am a mum of two girls and I am an aesthetics practitioner, director at our clinic. And yeah, I also have a little dabble into sport on the side, but I like the way you say dabble on the side. It's a bit more than dabble. Well, there was slightly more athletics pre-COVID for obvious reasons and pre-children as well. But yeah, back in back in my little time, I used to um, partake in doing quite a few triathlons. I'm part of a triathlon club and I've done Ironman now um, a couple of times. One of them was actually in between having both my daughters. Wow. That's an achievement. Yeah, <laughs> that was an achievement. Yeah, that was fun. I like to think of you know myself as being quite active and yeah, quite quite busy. I suppose really in terms of doing some of the sporty bits and pieces. But it, it certainly feels like in some respects when I am uh, you know hardcore mumming in the middle of the night or early morning, that feels like a long time ago. I have to say. <laughs> Yeah. How do you manage it with a four-year-old, a one-year-old and a full-time job? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Being very honest, it is tricky. I have a very supportive partner, really and truly. That makes a huge difference. And he definitely picks up a lot of my slack and he's really good with being able to work around my diary quite a lot of the time, which is great. Um, He has to be really flexible. Um, also, I, I love a diary, I love a planner, and I love a list. So there's. I was going to say, you've got to be organised yeah. for someone to help you. You need to know when you need the help exactly, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's quite funny, actually, because that's where sometimes I can come unstuck a bit, is where I have a plan and I try to execute the plan. And then, you know, the plan didn't really allow for the fact that, you know, suddenly your child is unwell or, you know, they've come back with whatever from the nursery, et cetera, et cetera. So that's quite interesting that's a whole other kind of ball game a lot of the time but yeah I like to be by nature I tend to be quite organized and quite on the ball so um we have a bit of a saying you know around us where it's if you want something done give it to a busy person I think I just about hold on to that in my life mostly Now, before we started recording, when I called you an athlete and said, can you talk about being an athlete? You felt uncomfortable 
with using that word. And I think a lot of the time, you know, that whole imposter syndrome, am I an athlete? I, I question, you know, sometimes can I say I'm a writer? Um, it, it's like you need to be paid for it or get a medal for it in order to feel that you're, you know, worthy of that name? Or do you need to do it on a daily basis to feel worthy of being called an athlete? But if you have participated in things and you have won in things and you're part of a club, doesn't that make you an athlete? It's so interesting you saying that as well, because the imposter syndrome, I think, actually follows us around in different parts of our lives. So, you know, there's times where I can be athletically, you know, at my best and I'm really working towards something and I'm doing really well at something. And then I'll be thinking, oh, gosh, am I being a good enough mum? Am I doing this? You know, it, it, I really do think it follows you around. So it's quite funny when you say, you know, I kind of recoil slightly at the athlete part. And I think it's because honestly and truly... <laughs> coming off the back of you know a slightly more uh sumptuous time of year being Christmas and New Year Christmas and lockdown Lockdown. and everything yeah yeah and that's just it I don't feel especially athletic and sporty but I am actually training the funny thing is I am actually training for a race at the moment on top of that as well but that's um it's in the summer so it's a little wear away right now I honestly think that in imposter syndrome is just all part of that kind of imposter syndrome slash guilt that we carry around with us you know, on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes it's big and sometimes it's small, you know, just depending on what it is we're talking about and actually who we're talking to as well, you know. So when you say guilt, I mean, there can't be guilt in being an athlete, but is it a guilt in if I'm an athlete and I call myself an athlete, that means I'm being less of a something else, less of a wife, less of a mum, less of a... Yeah, 100%. Is, is right. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Because the reality is, is that in order to be an athlete let's say it takes a lot of time it's a part-time job and that's just as yeah you need to be single and dedicated (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and and truly you I'm just gonna say it I think you there is a certain expectation you need to look a certain way as well you know and Mm. and that's all part of it you know which is a really interesting kind of deep dive in itself and I think actually we're trying to within the world you know media etc I think we're trying to move around from that I don't know if away is the word but we're trying to move around from that but yeah Mm. I I think you're absolutely right in saying that if you you know in in saying that one particular part about it taking away from something else if you kind of step into that box what other box am I leaving behind and you know as as a mum you know a director a business owner an entrepreneur and all the other things you kind of always want to have you know metaphorically the arms touching the other boxes and going but I'm still that thing too to though especially to those other groups mm. as well you know so you're not just in that one box but I think I do believe it's a mindset thing because even thinking that an athlete has a certain kind of body it depends what kind of athlete you are yeah. you know you could be a sumo wrestler is that an athlete mm-hmm absolutely and it's so, and isn't that funny because yeah. that's we all do it I, I think I, I yeah. really do think we're all yeah I don't want to say guilty it's not necessarily a negative thing but we definitely have this idea you know of what an athlete you know looks like acts like you know behaves mm. like um, and they're not all single you know mm-hmm. they have some of them have balanced lives yeah. where it's not all dedicated to the sport you know there's certain times of sport and rest and and it, and it works for them the same as working mums you know feel 
that it's possible to do that um, and non-working mums think it's impossible or that you have to be single to have a career. Um, I think it really is a mindset and letting go of that guilt. And, and that's what I want to talk to you today about was, was confidence and how you help other people feel confident with what you do in the clinic. But I thought it was interesting that as confident as you are when it came to saying, yes, I'm an athlete as well, there was a lack of confidence there. And that just shows that all of us, we can feel very confident in one area and suddenly not in another. Or like you said, because of a certain period of maybe not training as hard or whatever, you feel that you've lost the right to say that, yeah, I'm an athlete as well, because you haven't been sort of practicing. It's funny, isn't it? We just find ways to mm. go back to that kind of guilty way. It seems no matter what we could be sat here the most confident and, you know, the reality is, is it wouldn't be for long. I don't think, I think they're rare. There are people I think in the world who are utmost confident about everything that they do. And that's amazing. There's a, there's a pride. Yeah. yeah a pride in it. And I think men have more of that than oh, women. Yeah. Like, I don't think they would feel guilty about being a father and having an amazing career or being an athlete and going off and doing whatever they needed to do. They would be proud of that. I don't think it's been that long, though, in history that women have been able to say out loud that they're allowed to have it all and certainly not yeah. been able to have it all. It's certainly the way it, in countries across the world right now. You, you can't have it all as a woman. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite juxtaposed, isn't it, with um, men, dare I say, in the male role as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually very inspiring to see a woman who does have it all, who's proud to say that she has it all. Um, the more that we see that, the more it becomes a norm. So brag away, Laura, brag away. <laughs> Thank you. I do, I do, as much as we joke, I do think it's important for my daughters to yes. grow up knowing that. I, I am so... I'm so careful around things like that around my children. It's really funny, you know, things like fat shaming and the words I use about my body, let's say. Mm. I'm really careful about that. And yeah, I I'm I'm very, I'm very cognizant of saying to them things like, you know, you are so strong. You are so I love how brave you are. Look how good you made that other kid feel when you spoke to them and mm, you know the qualities. Yeah. Focusing on qualities. Abs yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in your job, what what do you see are the the main issues that women or men come in with? Of course it varies with the treatments. Um, maybe if we start talking about the tattooing, because I see that as kind of um, not a beauty treatment, but more of a, what would you call it? It's medical, it's self-confidence, it's necessary. Um, it's, it's a really privileged role where I am, actually. Um, I mean, the medical tattooing side of it is so interesting because you're you see such a huge array of emotions in such a short space of time I find a lot of ladies come to me traumatized triggered um and like I say almost battle weary is how I would describe them but it's amazing and this is where my job just makes me so happy because in that you know, two, two and a half hours, three hours, they might be with me. They go through so many emotions and they kind of, I always get them just to relax 
a little bit you know just chill out and that's one of the things actually I'm really good at you know to talk about blowing your own trumpet but I'm really good at getting people to be relaxed around me and being very like I say very normal just very approachable I'm very down to earth you know I don't sit on ceremony really for anything and by the time that they leave I've had so many women hug me cry they go out they hold themselves different they really mm. do they they stand up that bit straighter you know they, they it, it's silly things they pull the hair off of their face they shrug it back and they really do leave with a confidence and so many of them talk to me about what we call the shower factor they don't get out of the shower and go oh oh it's yep yeah, okay yep I'm reminded about that it's a little prod about you know the, the cancer or whatever they don't have that So what are the sort of issues that they come in with? Can you give us examples of what sort of things you can change or fix? Yeah, so, well, it's not just women. So, I mean, typically speaking, what I see for the medical tattooing side of it is for replacement areolas, so nipples. Um, And I've been blessed enough in my career where I've won some awards for it. Um, I've been national finalist for so for a few things and I really have found that that's opened doors to you know other people coming in to see me and trusting me <laughs> just on merit because yeah. I won the award so I must be able to be trusted and I think when um, you're describing yourself that's the first thing that could go in there I'm an award-winning yeah Ariella uh, Ariella tattooist <laughs> no, I'm sure there's yeah. a different way of saying it but you know <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, like I say, you see people for that. Mm. I've also seen people come to me who are going through transition. You know, they're transitioning from male to female mm. and they're having some work done again on their chest. And a male nipple and a female nipple are very different. And you have to, you know, take them from one end to the other sometimes and mm. it's it's yeah it's really interesting never so thought about do, that that there's a difference in nipples yeah there is male nipples tend to be a lot smaller mm. so you often have to make everything a lot softer a lot more defined but what's interesting is when you see those clients they come in with a different confidence it's an armor mm. they come in with because of the world I you come on we all understand I don't yeah. think for a second that we would see it many other ways but they they come in with a different confidence to a lady who is you know like I say who's tired sometimes for what they've been through worn out mm. you know sometimes they feel like they should be you know they're a bit ashamed for being vain enough to think how dare I want to look good as well as just want to be alive you know I've already survived mm. the cancer I'm embarrassed that you know people would think I actually want it to look good as well it's just fascinating it really is like I, I do love you know the the, the differences between people and I find people interesting I think that's mm. fundamentally what I really love about my job but it's so much more fascinating when you see them go through just that range in such a short space of time you know yeah, not, yeah. It's, it's, it's not in you know weeks and days and yeah. you know they're just they're they're so 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 grateful and I just appreciate their trust as well I mean the one thing I will say is that I came to this industry in what I do initially 
because I lost my dad to cancer um, 10 years ago now. And mm-hmm. to, be, to be clear, it wasn't breast cancer. He had sinus cancer, so it was really rare. And the one thing that I remember thinking at the time, which I guess the, the seed was sown, I think, when, you know, I would have done anything to have kept him comfortable what, or anything that he would have wanted doing. And what I mean by that is, you know, if there was a certain ugh, mouthwash that he, you know, found didn't burn his mouth from the radiation and the chemo, then I would mm. have moved hell and earth to have got that. If there was something that would have taken away, you know, his headaches, again, I would have, if there was this random thing, I would have found it, you know, so that little seed of kind of want and willing, I suppose, it it just kind of set in somewhere in me. And I am also a big believer in making um, everything worthwhile. So give everything a reason you know, a reason for it being. And it, I suppose what I'm really saying is, is I live my life trying to give meaning to things. And that to me, what I do now gives meaning to that side of my life where, you know, yeah. I had absolutely no control over anything. And it was, I, I had to just hold my hands up and put myself in someone else's trust and care. And I'm so grateful that people do that now to me. And I think, yeah, it's okay. I, I do, I do know what it's like to be in that system and I know what it's like to be on the other side of it, although it wasn't me as well. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because with that in mind, I also then see the complete flip side of it. And I have lots of ladies coming to me now off of the back of lockdown and living a life on Zoom. And they come in and they say, you know what? I uh, I need to fix and they always gesture with their hands right it's really funny they always just yes. go I need to fix this on my face and they say it in such a way it's brilliant right we want to do this I want to do that I want to pull it all back in a knot and tie it at the back of my head basically can you do it <laughs> <laughs> and that needs surgery doesn't yeah. it so that like um, uh, when I was talking to you previously I was saying the difference between how Madonna has aged with uh, fillers and Botox, you know, all the things that she's using worked at the beginning. But at some point you become like really puffy looking. Whereas Sharon Osbourne Mm -hmm. has face lifts all the time. And so her skin is pulled back and, and, you know, is tied up in a knot, but not to an (laughs) extremity where she looks sort of tight and pulled. No. So the people that you see and come in are wanting the, well, the things that could lead to them being Madonna if they're not careful. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the biggest responsibilities that I have is being able to say to them, you know, look, this is too much. You don't mm. need this. And and interestingly, there's a confidence there that I have. I'm very confident in my work. I'm very confident in what I do. I'm I'm confident that I can get people to you know, where I say I can, if we're having the conversation. And that includes, though, having the confidence to say to people, that's too much. Well, let's talk filters. Now, filters have made so many people feel that they're uncomfortable, not, not, they're uncomfortable seeing themselves without a filter, because they see themselves so much with a filter in their photos, you know, on live Instagrams, whatever it is that 
that they now feel like if they see a wrinkle or they don't look like the photo, that they're uncomfortable. So how many people do you have come in asking, can you make me look like my filter? Yeah, it definitely happens where people come in asking to look like their filters. I will say for the most part, when they come in asking to look like that version of themselves, they tend to be on the younger side, actually, um, which is possibly quite sad, you know, depending on how, yeah, Mm -hmm. depending on how you look at it. Um, I suppose the ones that come in like that, sometimes they, again, will come in with this faux confidence and they come in, you know, sort of saying, I just like the way I look like that so I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I want to look a certain way so fox eye I don't know if you've heard of that as a sort of look on some people but it's very much um it follows um what one of the supermodels sort of face shapes is and, and it's to do with um it's Bella her name is Bella Hadid yes exactly yeah her eye shape has what is quite a fox eye appearance or it's quite sort of pulled back I suppose and there's Mm. a lot of procedures we can do with things like PDO threads which pull back your muscles around your eyes and will give you that appearance so that's Mm. a really I suppose common entry level way for some girls to come in and say I want to look like that I've decided Um, a big part of my job is having to get them to understand as well that that's a, you know, fairly permanent thing they're doing. Um, it's not always completely permanent depending on the procedure, but it's getting them to understand that they still will very much find that they don't look like their filter from having it done. And, you know, that there is a lot of smoke and mirrors involved, So getting back to kind of the Madonna complex, ladies sometimes are really used to looking at themselves in certain angles. And actually a certain, um, you do tend to find that a certain age of client will always have their selfies taken from quite high up. (laughs) And it's, and it really is, it's, it's, Mm. um, it's quite representative. And, and of course we do it because we want everything to look smoother and flatter and all those things. And, you know, I'm just as guilty of it as everyone else. I'm, I'm human. I'm very human. <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it's interesting because you do get that where people are used to seeing this really filtered version of themselves regularly. I don't necessarily think it's all unhealthy. I think like anything, the answer is never in the black and the white. I think the answer is often in the gray area. So, you know, people coming in going, actually, I like the fact that with this filter, um, my skin looks brighter. I've been thinking about, you know, facials or brightening things or injectables you know, can we talk about that? And it starts a dialogue, it starts a conversation, things like hyaluronic acid, which you can have injected. Um, It's really stimulating to the skin, it it allows the skin to do its own Mm. work, basically, and look glowing and beautiful. And I live and die by hyaluronic acid. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) It's the answer to everything. I'm like, oh, you cut your knee? hyaluronic acid no problem oh you've done this hyaluronic acid let's chuck it on everything (laughs) it's my answer to everything (laughs) but it's it's so interesting because like I say you get people where it 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 involves 
a conversation around it but it's it very much is important to me that I understand you know what they're actually looking for in their outcomes genuinely because actually if they're just coming in and saying Hmm. you know I want to look like this filter you know I have a responsibility to say to them no I can't do that I'm really sorry (laughs) that's not possible um but there are times where you go oh okay what is it about this filter you like oh okay it's your skin looks brighter your skin looks clearer yeah no problem let's talk about that let's work about that what's your skincare routine like what are you using have you tried anything before um Mm. what were your results what do you like what's your you know downtime like what's your life like are you able to come in regularly do you have budget for this as well you know so it's it's interesting and in that sense as well but oh gosh yeah you you do find people will come in um and will kind of allude to it and I frequently get people say you know I've just seen it's just there was this one picture which made me think I mean it's very clear that companies and media and beauty products all of that marketed towards the aging woman before because they knew okay there's a vulnerability they'll buy the creams they don't want the wrinkles but now they're targeting young girls through filters that they get used to seeing themselves in one way that they feel that looking at themselves in the mirror looks old or looks tired and they need to be like the filter so you know all women now yeah definitely there there really has been a big shift in beauty retail beauty marketing as well and it's it's so funny though because you know we work so hard I think in the industry to you know normalize body types normalize all faces you know and you've got some brands like say Dove stick out to me who are really good at saying you know love everybody and confidence and this that and the other and then you know you can then in the next breath have those same people going oh but I feel a bit silly doing this do you feel silly you know so it's it's so it's so funny because we're always just battling with it aren't we and there's you know we can do something and then the marketeers will hit on something else as well you know I think that's the world we live in yeah but we still don't really see um real real skin on tv like they don't show you really pimply or patchy or red skin do they they sort of show you I'm not as like leading women or men or never. Can you imagine Bond being like, mm. you know, oh, James Bond, don't mind him with all of his eczema. You know, yes. you, would, you would never see that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you I think that's normalizing it. You know, show us everybody for, for, yeah, for, for how real <laughs> they are rather than us all living for the camera, you know. So, so Rania, though, having been an actress would you be happy for a, let's flip that would you be happy to be on screen for all and sundry to see your true natural beauty I think if I was the only one I'd be uncomfortable but if it became the norm that everyone is which yeah. is why I like watching for instance um uh, different genre of films like uh, I'll watch Iranian films for instance you know, it's more like watching a documentary rather than it be glamorous Hollywood everyone looks perfect with fantastic teeth you know it's you're not sort of watching just copy paste unbelievable characters you're watching real people and and that always interests me so if you're the only one that's sort of doing it real when everyone else isn't yeah you're going to feel very very uncomfortable um 
but if if everyone is then it's different yeah and that's that's going back to confidence isn't it where you can feel confident in one place and then suddenly you lose your confidence and I don't like um I don't like using chemicals in my body full stop. I like to feel that, you know, I'm keeping my body as healthy as can be because I wouldn't want to do one thing that corrects something or makes me feel happier uh, at the detriment of something else and making myself sick Um, or sort of losing grip, you know, and forgetting how I originally looked like because now the only (laughs) look I know is where I've reached, you know, with pumping fillers and botox and things however if something is natural like you said where it's hydro what is it hyaluronic acid hyaluronic hyaluronic i call it hydroclonic hydro (laughs) hydrocolonic acid different thing it's really good though it tightens everything right up yeah (laughs) so anything that stimulates you know our natural collagen i'm up for and i don't know much but i don't know much about these things i sort of um I sort of discovered them by accident. So I'd come in to have some makeup done for a photo shoot for my website. And I discovered all these different natural beauty treatments and was intrigued to try. Um, so I've tried Morpheus 8, was it? Mm-hmm. Morpheus? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But with you. you. Think, and I've tried something I call Profiterol, but it's Profilo, oh. isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, Profilo, Profilo, Profilo. Yeah, do you know, and herein lies the other real key part of all of this and component that kind of makes up the little beauty confidence puzzle is time. You know, all these things that work fairly naturally, the problem is, is that people don't want to wait for it. We live in a society where everything is now immediate. I mean, I'm absolutely like everyone else. I'm the most impatient I think I've ever been. I'm not naturally a terribly patient person, but it's like, if I want the information, I don't have to think, oh, I must remember to look at that when I get home. Mm. I think, oh, I'll go straight on my phone, this magic box in my pocket, you know, cool, great, I found it, thank you. Yeah. So all of these, you know, lovely injectable things and, you know, the beauty side of it, one of the hardest parts for a lot of people is just getting them to understand that it takes time. (laughs) All Mm. these things take time. And no matter what they have done, there is always an element of time about it. So going back to you being a triathlete, is that because you want to feel healthier or on in the long run, or is it because you want to have a certain look or fit body? What is it that attracted you to it at the beginning? So in, in the very beginning, I think it was because I wanted a challenge. Um, really and truly, that's what it came down to. I Every morning, this just made me laugh, just you, you said something which triggered something then in my brain. So every morning when I walk my daughters to school, mm-hmm. um, some days I have to walk really quick <laughs> because of life <laughs> and we might be a little bit behind and, yes. I, and I have to really like get my heart rate going and go really quick. Yeah. And I'll say, to, I'll say to my daughter, I really love the way my body feels when I'm moving <laughs> like this. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, okay mom no problem and just you know whatever and I think to myself actually this is something I tell myself over and over I really love the way my body feels when I'm doing this because actually I do like the way my body feels when I'm moving it walking around a lot you know swim bike run I do enjoy that feeling and I think what really led me to it in the beginning was truthfully a bit of novelty um 
I'd always done a dabble, dip my toe a little bit in running, um, just, you know, just as a hobby. And I saw a triathlon, which was on my birthday. And me being me, I went, oh, it's serendipitous. It's a sign. Mm. I should do it. <laughs> because <laughs> I just I just thought that on the day. So I basically signed up and that was what led me to join a tri club, basically. Mm. I quite like a challenge. I really think that's what it came. I, I like the reward. And I remember doing my first sprint triathlon. I was dead last. And I did it on a regular, like regular bike. And, you know, I, I got out my swim costume. And, I, you know, I did it as a complete beginner, complete novice. Yeah. And I remember feeling like Superman, you know, at the end of it. Talk about runner's high. It was like something I'd never really felt before. And I was so proud of myself. Yes. Really and truly. And then doesn't that boost your confidence when yeah. you know that you pursued something totally. and you finished it and you did it? I did it. Yeah. I executed the plan completely. And yes. I was nervous. I was really nervous, actually. I cried a lot in the line, crying to, to, to start the line and get and get in the water. And then eventually, I, you know, the they the music, you know, the little cannon to get everyone going started. And I had a bit of a word with myself and I said, right, stop. This is a long day, Laura. You know, enough is enough. You are going to be dehydrated if you keep crying. Just stop it. And I pulled myself together and I went, oh, actually. And I allowed myself to enjoy it. And I had the best time. And for the second one, because I'd had so much, you know, social accolade, basically, from my friends, you know, which tells you a lot because that really tells you everything you need to know. I'd, I'd come from being, you know, somebody who wasn't fit. I didn't grow up especially athletic. I was quite overweight as a teenager, you know, and I'd sort of had this metamorphosis <laughs> into this Iron Man. Mm. And it was, you know, I, I guess it was inspiring for some people because a lot of people told me so. And that was that was quite cool. So for the second one, you know, going into that two years after and having that and, you know, I was navigating a small child at that point and you know being self-employed and far less time and energy and being tired and all of those pitfalls and actually the impetus to get out of the door and train sometimes just wasn't there I didn't want it bad enough really and truly because actually what I wanted more mm. at that moment in time was probably to sleep, probably to have, you know, a decent meal to treat myself. Yeah. yeah, it's good to be aware of that. Not that if something worked for you at one point, then you just keep repeating it no matter what exactly. the circumstances are. You know, it works at certain points in your life and you can do it again, but it doesn't yeah, have to become absolutely. the routine. It did give me a confidence though. Oh, this has been such a lovely, inspiring, interesting and fun chat, Laura. And I hope from now on you brag away because like you said, you've inspired people in your first triathlon. Uh, your friends were inspired by it. And so shining your light fully, being an award winning entrepreneur, being a triathlon athlete, being a mom of two and juggling it all and managing to find balance is just fantastic. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free, please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniakurdi.com if you would like to ask a question 
comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.